I thought of today, you know, you always try to, you know, when you come to church, we want you to learn something, and we desire for you to walk out of here with uh, insight. And so the, 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 I'm speaking today on this, to clap or not to clap during a song. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, good. That, that's to me, it's so funny. Hey, if you want to clap, clap. Good night. And if you want to raise your hand, that's okay. You want to say amen, do it. We're in church, you know, we ought to be enjoying being here, and uh, I think we can, you know, it's amazing, there's a little thing happening tonight, that I don't care, I hope the grasshoppers win tonight, and, and so, so I don't really care, but, uh, but you know, there's going to be people, they're going to be there, they, and they have paid, uh, you know, no one say, I had to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars to go to that game, and no one's going to complain, they're going to feel so lucky, I mean, if they want to give their money away, I can help them with that kind of situation and all, and they're going to go see some people beat themselves up and all that kind of stuff and all, and I, that's okay, and they're going to be, you know, they're going to be excited, and they're going to raise their hands, and they're going to say, praise football, and, and you know, you, you know what we're going to call these guys? Fans, but you get excited about the things of the Lord, kind of raise your hands and clap your hands and praise Jesus, and we're called fan addicts. Do you understand that? That's a bummer, isn't it? I mean, what's that all about? I mean, I think we ought to be excited about serving the Lord and realizing that, man, we have something and we know how the game turns out. You talk about a good deal. That's a good deal. I, don't have, I wonder who's going to win, I can tell you. I know who's going to win. The final chapter's been written, so we ought to be excited about that. And so I encourage you, 336 days are gone. Over one-twelfth of 2017 is already in the books. And as you look at these last several days and weeks, you wonder what is different from 2016 to this year? What, what is different in your life? What, what has changed in your life? And, of course, the question, if you want to change direction, if you want your life to be more productive than it was back in 2016, wishing doesn't work. Oh, I just wish I'd be better. You can forget it. I just wish things would turn out. No, wishing is Satan's answer to God's conditions. And so as you look at these next 11 months, it's my desire for you. It's my burden as a year from now, as, we're dealing, as you're dealing with this situation, I want you to be able to say, man, things are different. But they're not going to be that way unless you've made some changes in your life. You know, we, <laughs> we don't like, there's two things we don't like. We don't like things the way they are, and we don't like change. Do you see the problem, Rick? Are you with me with that? You know, you understand that. And so but this is kind of the perplexity situation that I find myself in. I realize I'm sitting with a group, I'm sitting with a group of us people that would deal with that kind of stuff, and I know I'm getting ready to suggest some things that's going to take some effort on your part. It's going to take some work. You're going to have to sow some time and some energy and some effort, or you're going to be here next year. We're going to look at you. You're going to be no different, but you know what you're going to be? Well, I hope 2018 is better. Let me give you a little bit of inside information. It ain't. It ain't going to be any different unless you sow the right thing. Now, last week we gave you the first point, dealing with this area of some steps that we have to take in order for us to make some changes in our life. We said you need to include God, consciously include God in every aspect of your life. It can't be a happenstance thing. It's got to be something that we've caused. 
Uh, the reason that's the case, we talked about it last week there in Numbers 13 when the nation of Israel was to go into the promised land. God had promised them the promised land. It was a done deal. If they just would have got it, it's a done deal. And the reason they didn't, the reason they didn't go in at that particular time was because they were thinking, what can I do? What's my ability? What's my talent? What's my gift? And because of that, we see there, I'll give it to you in verse 33. Again, there are numbers, uh, chapter 13. Some of you wonder why he's the word grasshopper. And there was, the guys had gone in. They came back, quick review. They came back, what God, how God said it was, it was. Isn't that a surprise? How God said it was, it was. Don't ever forget that. However God said it is, it is, okay? I mean, we don't, he doesn't need my stamp of approval. He doesn't need me to stand up here on Sunday morning and say, God is real. <laughs> he is. I don't make him real. He is real. God said this is the way it's going to happen. He doesn't need my proclamation. He just needs my obedience, and it's going to happen exactly the way God said it is. And so he told the guys, go to the promised land. Now, you can theologically deal with this all you want. I think they should have went. Forget, you don't have to. <laughs> you're telling me that you're going to go check God out. You, hear what, you see what that, you know what they did? God said to do it. And they sent 12 spies to check with God telling the truth. Am I right about that? That's stupid. No wonder they were in trouble. God said, go on the land. Well, we better check God out and make sure he's telling the truth. Uh-huh. You, need a, you need some help here, guys. And so, I mean, from the very beginning, they were in trouble. Going in, I mean, you know, they came back, and 10 out of 12 were against God. <laughs> it sounds like today, doesn't it? A lot of folks against God today, but you know what? I don't think that ticks God off because, you see, he's in control. They came back, hey, you know, 10 said, or 2 said, hey, let's do it, you know, uh, and, and the other 10, we can't do it. And the Bible says, and they were, they saw giants, the sons of Anakin, which come of the giants. And here's what I want to get. We were, now get this, we were in our own sight. God's sight? What was it? We were in our own sight. What you believe is how you behave. When people tell me, I don't know why I'm doing the things I'm doing, I can tell you exactly why you're doing it, because that's what you believe. You live the things you believe. Your life is a product of the information you've gathered, and it is coming out. What goes, you know, computers, garbage in, garbage out, okay? Stuff in, stuff out. When people say, I don't know why I did that, I said, have you always been stupid? Say, Pastor, you're not a good counselor. <laughs> you figured that out, didn't you? <laughs> you know, okay. But I, you know, it just gets, it gets, I mean, I'm saying, how in the world can you not see that? I mean, listen, I, what you sow, you're going to reap. And the Bible talks about it over and over again. And so, but this is a phrase that sometimes we don't get. We were in our own sight, insignificant, unable to conquer the land. And I'm thinking, did God say you were going to conquer it anyway? Didn't he say he had promised it to you? That kind of tells me he already got it done. He doesn't need you to conquer the land. He needs you to move by faith and do what he tells you to do. Don't get it doesn't get better, by the way. And so we were in their sight, the Canaanites, 
We were like grasshoppers, insignificant, and we, and we, and we know that's exactly how the Canaanites thought about it. Josh, uh, the Bible says in Joshua 2, the Canaanites feared the Israelites because of what God is doing. So it wasn't true. When you start moving away from God, a lot of untruth comes into play. A lot of distorted thinking comes into play. And this was distorted thinking on their part. And so I just encourage you, as we have 11 months left, 329 days left, I encourage you, take this first step, include God consciously in every aspect of my life, every decision. Before I settle on a decision, I need to commune with God. God, what do you want me to do? So do that. Here we go. Let's move on. The second thing is this. You need to choose a specific difficulty. It's a second step in your life and trust God to conquer. You know, most folks have given up. Most folks have thrown in the towel. They're never going to be any different. It's going to never be any better. I just got a temper, and that's the way it is. I just, you know, I just have the inability to love others. I just fear the future. I just fear that something's going to bad happen to my kids. And so what I'm saying to you, you need to face these problems directly and give them to God. Don't you get tired of carrying the weight that you have no solution for? If, if you have a solution, why isn't the problem solved? It isn't, is it? You still have that difficulty. You had it in 2016, you got it in 2017, and so therefore you're going to always have it. Really? It's your choice. Face the problem. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your care upon him because you, he cares for you. Now listen to this. All the spiritual battles we face have already been conquered by Jesus Christ on the cross if you're a Christian. Pretty cool, isn't it? All these insurmountable things in my life, according to the Scripture, and you've got to make a decision. If you don't believe in the Scripture, we have a problem here. But if you happen to do believe in the Scripture, that it is the authority, all these problems that I face in my life have already been conquered by Him. And what my responsibility is, cast my care upon Him. You know what He says? Spiritually speaking, I can pass the buck. <laughs> don't you like that? It's so wonderful when people talk to me and say, well, what does Charlotte think? You know what I just did? I just passed the buck. And I am really good at that. And I got the gift, you know. But, but I'm saying to you, you know, you can do that. This, this is okay. This is okay. You can do it. You know, the Bible says in Colossians 2.15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he hath showed of them openly. Here it is, triumphing over them. If, if the Israelites would have taken God at his word, that he had already, the land was already theirs. Are you with me on this? It was already theirs. If they would have possessed the possession, they'd have been, he'd have turned it over to them. All, you know all what God was asking of these people? The exact same thing he's asking you this morning. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? You know what James said in the Bible says? I'll show you my faith by my word. I'll show you that I do have faith. And that's exactly what God is doing for us this morning. He is challenging us. Show me your faith. You say you have faith. Show me your faith. It's important to do it. I want you to understand when it comes to this area of serving the Lord. We, we need to realize that we cannot, we cannot accomplish anything in 2017 on our own. Do you know why I know that's true? Because I've tried it. I've tried to do it on my own. I've tried to 
accomplish things on my own. You know, sometimes if you're not careful, you start figuring you're pretty good at what you're doing and pretty talented. You know, you got all these gifts and talents, and so therefore you kind of disconnect from God and plug into the world and kind of believe because you can do certain stuff that things are going to work out, but soon you're going to find out the plug you plugged into has no power. And the best that you can say about it, it diminishes. God's power is limitless. You know what? There's no blackout with God. <laughs> the power is always running. It's always turned on. The bill's always been paid, and the bill was paid at Calvary. It was paid. And so, therefore, we understand that and can see that. Step number three, never be satisfied with your present condition. Too many Christians are content with what they're doing now. We need to continually ask God for, for ministry and, and opportunities to grow. You know, the Israelites were satisfied to wander in the wilderness. It, goes, it gets worse than that. They wanted to go back under slavery. They were content for wandering and going back to slavery. The problem with that kind of content, sooner or later, it moves into discontent. Because that will never satisfy you. Wandering in the wilderness, getting by. God did not leave you here. God did not leave me here to get by. Are you with me on that? Amen? I am not here simply to get by. I am here to conquer. Let's do it. Don't be satisfied with what's going on in your life right now. You need to, you need to ask God to help you to, to dream the dreams. You need to ask God to help you to, to, to take the challenges. We're living in a world of challenge. Would you agree? This world has a lot of challenges, and it bothers me when I get around Christians. Oh, preacher, look at all the bad things that are happening in the world. I'm thinking, whoopee! Look at all the challenges that I have. They're just everywhere. Now, there's nothing wrong with being content with the blessings of God on your life at the moment. That's cool. Uh, Philippians 4.11, not that I speak of respect of want, for I have learned, in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content, but we should never be content when it comes to our experience and the power of God in our life. You understand what I'm saying? Don't, don't, don't fall into a rut. The Bible says in Philippians 3.14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, I think it's important that we, that we are continually moving forward. When you get up in the morning and after you've finished your prayer time, and after you've finished your reading your Bible, Did you get that? Okay. Okay, once you're done with that, after your prayer time, and after you finish reading your Bible, deja vu? Okay. When you're done with that kind of stuff, I, I think it was very, very important in our life. I think it's very important that, that we realize that, that what we need to do then is say, go, God, you know, God, I, I want to accomplish something for you today. Maybe that means I need to witness to my neighbor. Maybe I need to go cut my neighbor's grass or, or fix a, a custard pie for the pastor Do you get that one too? Okay. I'm, I'm trying to make these subliminal. It's not working real well, is it? <laughs> anyway, but whatever, you, whatever it is, you know, whatever God has, has for you, you know, and, and you, know, you get up in the morning and you want to do something for God. You want God to be a part of your life. You don't want to get up, what can I do to help me today? How can I make myself some more money? How can I do some, some more stuff for myself that doesn't satisfy you anyway? The Bible says life doesn't consist in the abundance of things you possess. Okay. 
But how can I, how can I be a blessing to others? How can, how can I be an encouragement to others? That, that's what God would want us to be. And it's not just for other people's benefit. It's our, our benefit. You know what's true? It's more blessed to, uh-huh, uh-huh. Chronicles says, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Hmm. Number four, step four, have a positive approach to life. <laughs> now, many Christians, they need to develop a positive approach to life. You know why a lot of Christians don't have a positive approach to life? Are you listening? They plan on failing. You know why? Because they're grasshoppers. Wonder how many grasshoppers are here today. You're not planning on succeeding. You know what you're looking for? You're looking for the other shoe to drop, aren't you? You know what I've started doing? Wear no shoes. <laughs> if I'm wearing them, I have sandals. No shoes. But you get around, oh, you know this is going to be bad. Well, let me know when it happens. I don't want to be around you when it gets really bad. You know, because we get to a situation, we, we need to have a positive attitude toward uh, the things in our life. And, you know, I think it's very important that we do that. Now, because this is Super Bowl Sunday, I'm using a football illustration. Just for you and all you grasshoppers. Coaches know this, and if you've watched TV very much, you've seen this. It's called the loser's limp. Have you seen it? They're going down for a pass. And they go and they, and they fall on the ground and they get up and they go. <clears throat> You've seen it, haven't you? I mean, you see it. They, they, they do a tackle, whop, and the guy goes right by him. They get up. Oh, man, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. You're going to see it today. I mean, there's no question about it. They call the loser's limp. I mean, you know, you say, well, what's the loser's limp? The loser limp means, are you ready? The loser's limp means this. It's not my fault. That's what it means. My poor performance was based on. And then you'll see him, the, you'll, you'll see him over on the sideline going. <laughs> well, I'm not quite, not quite that good, I'm sure. You know, <clears throat> now, here's the deal, guys. Many Christians have the loser's limp. Maybe it's their personality, or maybe it's their appearance, or maybe it's their background. They choose to emphasize the negative rather than the positive. And what they're, what they're saying, the reason why I'm not a successful Christian is because of how I look, or my abilities, my talents. It's called the Christian loser's limp. It explains to them and to others that will buy into that junk that the reason I can't do what God would have me to do because I have this imperfection. <laughs> uh, come on, guys. I'm looking over the crowd. Okay, let me take them 10 minutes. Uh-huh, no. Yeah, no, no, definitely not Phil. And, uh, yeah, okay, uh-huh. Linda, for sure not. And, I mean, let me see, one more time. Dennis, without question, not. Nobody here is perfect. I'm looking around trying to find it. Fernando, you just forget it, Zach. <laughs> just don't even go there. I mean, it's not happening. There's nobody that's perfect. And if you're going to use that excuse for why you don't serve God, shame on you. 
Oh, well, preacher, I mean, you know, after all, you know, after all, I'm human. <laughs> you, need, you need to get some brain power going your way. I mean, well, you're, you couldn't be, you're not a Cleon. <laughs> I got a couple other things to say, but that's just wouldn't gonna, you know, it's just not gonna go anywhere but downhill. So I'll let that one go. I'm just simply saying, guys, come on. You know how to lose the lose the how to lose the loser's limp? Believe and claim the promises of God. Are you with me on that? Just claim the promises of God. Luke 137, I for nothing will be impossible with God. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Point number four, you need to learn to take turns with other Christians. How many know a guy named Charles Swindoll? Heard next time? He's a cool preacher and all. He writes a lot of books. I got this one of his books. Let me give it to you. He's talking in the area as Christians, we need to learn to take turns with other Christians. He says, I love this true story of a young mother, an invalid who was lying on her bed with her nine-year-old daughter walking in. Seeing her mother recline, she quietly unfolded the blanket at the foot of the bed and gently tucked it around her mother. You know, the mother said, was it too long ago I was tucking you in? Now here you are covering me up. The little girl bent over to her mother, smiled, kissed her on the cheek, and whispered, we take turns. We take turns. You know, one of the most significant of all spiritual truths regarding our relationship between members of the body of Christ is this. We take turns. You see, we love one another. In honor, we prefer one another. Romans says, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor of preferring one another. We care for one another. We forgive one another. We serve one another. We encourage one another. We bear one another's burdens. We take turns. Sometimes I'm not up. I'm thankful when I'm not that my wife takes turns. She's there for me when I'm down. The problem with personalities like I've got when I get down, I get low down. You with me? Y'all know what that's like? I'm glad that we take turns. We reach out to each other. I realize that she's my wife, and she loves me, and she knows all the bad things. I'm never going to tell you guys. But I know what you're like. You're legalist. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I do need your help. I need to be encouraged. I need to be loved. I need folks bearing my burdens too. I need folks to take turns. We need each other. Come on, guys. We have 329 days left. Each journey starts with the first step. I can't deal with the last 36 days but I can do something with 329 ahead of me. I, I can't make you do what I'm getting ready to say, but I can sure suggest it strongly. You need to take these five steps. If you don't, 
I almost said this, you'll be in exact shape next year at this time at this church, but that is not true. You will be worse. You will be worse. You don't believe that, check the guys out in numbers that wandered all those years. Here it is. You need to include God in all aspects of your life, your choice. God is not a part of your life because you choose for him not to be. <laughs> That's as easy as that. You've chosen. I, mean, I didn't say, no, no, by your actions. Number two, choose a specific difficulty in your life and trust God to conquer it. How many of you have ever heard the thing, there's an elephant in the room? Now, generally what that phrase is meaning is that there's a problem, of an not insurmountable, but a gigantic problem in the room, and maybe a particular individual or whatever type situation, but there's a problem there in the room. And, and sometimes when they say there's an elephant in the room, it's almost, it's so big. It's just so big. And there was a book came out with this. How do you eat an elephant? And the answer is, okay, that'd be a lot of eating, man. That's what I call a big fellowship, a barbecued elephant. But, uh, but that's how you do it. With this, you know, here's what Satan does. He says, this problem you have is such a big problem that it's never going to be able to handle it. You've had it all these years, and the elephant has grown and grown and grown, and the elephant is never going to go away. And so what should I do? Eat it. Eat the elephant. closing this message out. I was thinking this. I think some of you already have. <laughs> so I think I've got the elephant. I'm eating that booger up. What I'm trying to tell you is this. You're only going to be defeated because you choose to be. Let's get, a, let's, get, let's get a hold of this thing. Let's not excuse our behavior. Third thing is this. Never be satisfied with your present condition. Paul said I pressed toward the mark. I think it's important that you keep growing. You need to keep reading the Word of God, but there's other stuff you need to read and stuff you need to do. Look for opportunities to serve the Lord. Look, they're there. Step number four, have a positive approach to life. You know what? Life's a gift. And then Larry. Every time I see Larry, I just say, he's married to Joyce. And, <laughs> and what she said about you today Oh, yes, you did. Yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not even making this up in my joints. You, you'll be down here at altar, won't you? All right, just want to make sure. I got your name on it, Joyce's spot. But, uh, no, uh, the reason I can kid those folks because I love them. All my heart. They mean a lot to me. When I see Larry walking to this church, life's a gift. I see it right there. But, Sometimes we don't realize that's true of everybody here this morning. It's a gift. Don't take for granted. You don't deserve this. It's a gift. It's a blessing. Have an attitude of gratitude. Be thankful for the gift that God's given. The last thing is, learn to take turns with other Christians. It really is not all about you and what you want and what you think you need. What's important to you? It's not all about you. I think sometimes we've got to take turns. Sometimes we have to, particularly when we're not dealing with a doctrinal issue, with a preference issue, sometimes it's okay to let someone else have their own way. Sometimes it's okay, you may have walked in today and you were hurting, you're crushed, and you sit down with someone, they're hurting, they're crushed, and you turn to them and try to be a blessing when you're hurting so bad. You know what that's called? That's called being Christian. 
So we have 11 months left. Don't succumb to the dreaded disease called someday aisle. Someday aisle. It's the dreaded disease. Someday aisle. Except Christ is my personal Savior. Someday aisle will serve the Lord. Someday aisle will be faithful in my giving. In a couple months, someday aisle will be involved with our mission program. Someday aisle will be whatever. You know, I found out someday is no day. The Bible says today, 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 if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. And what that means is ignoring the Holy Spirit working in your life. It means rejecting his working in your life. So today, God has trusted us and we are blessed because he's given us this time that we have right now. And I encourage you this morning, don't, don't squander the time God's given you. Invest it. You've heard me say, you know, you don't have time to kill. And if you're going to deal with your time, let's work it to death. And so I just challenge you this morning, these things I've given you, I encourage you to, they're there on your outline to, to get a hold of them, to put them somewhere that you will see them, that, to go over them, to, to read the scripture. I've given you a lot of scripture involved with that, and also you can study on your own. And so I encourage you, as we get ready for next week, the thing I, I want to encourage you to do, you know, when we hear next week, go ahead and have these things in place and start working on them. And you that have families, go over them together and talk about these things. Because if you look to God, you'll see victory. If you look to the world, you'll be like a grasshopper insignificant insect. You won't be a blessing. You've been irritation. I don't want to be an irritation. I want to be a blessing. Father, we come to you this morning. We're thankful for the word of God. We're, we're thankful for your, your uh, speaking to us. And, and God, we pray this morning. I know there's folks walked in this place this morning that are carrying some heavy burdens. And certainly our desire today, Lord, was to, to give them some tools to work with and uh, there's nothing I can say that can just all of, all of a sudden presto change or everything's okay. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, the life is a process and, and a, an area of sowing. And we are where we are right now because of what we've sowed in the past. And, and, and we've got to quit blaming God on this thing. And we've got to take responsibility. And we've got to take a hold of this thing and realize that if we have a, a, a breath in our, in our, in our, in our bodies and, you know, and strength in our, in our, in our, in our bodies, that God, that, that we can do something. And so I pray, Lord, help us. Help us not to fall into the routine of this world. Help us to realize this world is not the destination. It's a place of journey for us. And in this journey, we're to make a difference. And so I pray, God, if we're going to be different in 2017, it will be done on purpose. It will not, it will not just happen. And so, God, I pray for your help. With your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I want to pray for you. Say, preacher... God has spoken to me this morning. I have to admit, I've done some kind of coasting.